This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Kim Reynolds with Dogman.com with Chris Fetter. Scott Eklund, is this officially an emergency podcast or yes. is this a podcast after the basketball game? No, it's an emergency podcast. Right. I mean, people want to hear. Hey, I came all the way to UW to do a podcast. Yeah, so step up. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Washington defeats Colorado 73-63 to without Frank Kepnong, Braxton Mia back, Jackson Grant burns his red shirt. Keon Minifield not playing a lot of minutes, and Corin Johnson really stepping up. But uh, I think the big story, you know, just since the Oregon State game is Frank Kepnong. And uh, Coach Hop's not saying he's out for the season, but, you know, a lot of sources, multiple, multiple, multiple sources saying he tore his ACL and he will be out for the year. And that's typically a six to a nine month deal. Um, losing Frank just as a basketball player is one thing, but just he seemed to be the heart and soul of this team with the energy he brought with the passion he brought with the leadership so that's a pretty big loss and then in the Oregon State game um, in practice I guess the day before two days before um, Braxton Mia rolled his ankle and he was in a boot for the Oregon State game he said post game today he was ready to go rip off the boot and suit up you know after Frank went down but he didn't but uh, Braxton Mia uh, back again today with a big game and Jackson Grant getting a few minutes burning his red shirt surely contributed today as well Chris yeah and, and, and first with Frank I mean we saw him with a big brace on his right leg today in warm-ups no he was with Noah Williams who's also in street clothes expect to see Noah back here in the week or two hopefully but you know when it comes to Frank I mean obviously what he does on the on the basketball court is one thing but his just his presence overall with that team and the leadership and and how his play really kind of brought a lot of those guys together it was such a huge deal when you saw all those guys on the court at Oregon State come to him you know they they knew how serious it was you could hear him screaming even on the TV you could hear him screaming and you just knew it was bad so when you see a brace like that on a guy in person you know the knee injury is super serious i know hop's got to do what he's got to do but the chances of him coming back, just looking at that thing and, and wondering, I just find it hard to believe that he would return. And, and with Mia specifically, him coming back the way he did, played 27 minutes today, even in warm-ups, you were kind of like, okay, if he rolled his ankle on Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever it was, he's certainly not showing any ill effects. And he tied for the team lead today with 16 points, came up with some big defense at the end, um, really showed himself to, to do some really good things. Now, he's got he's to stay on the ground. 
He's got to stay. Viking Jones. I don't know if Viking Jones needs to like tie his shoes, shoelaces together or something. But the guy's seven one. He doesn't need to be jumping every time he sees a pump fake. And 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 he he would decrease his fouls by a number of by fifty percent. I think if he did that. But overall, what a return to come back for him. And uh, he was obviously huge today. Uh, 16.7 rebounds in 27 minutes, and his uh, plus-minus was plus 15. Yeah. Um, Jackson Grant came in for a little bit and spelled him for about 10 minutes. And, you know, he's got some things to do, but, you know, he filled in nicely down there, especially the first five minutes. And then for a little bit in the second half, they went small and put Keon Brooks down in the middle. But... Um, it's just losing Frank is huge. Braxton Mia, it's kind of surprising looking at him. You know, he didn't play a whole lot last year at Fresno State. You know, Quincy Pondexter kept on telling me, Kim, he's a lot better than people think. He's going to be really good this year. So, um, you know, getting Braxton Mia back today, they needed to have him back. And that left ankle was really heavily taped, but he didn't seem to be showing any ill effects from that. And then um, in addition, you know, just look, keep on looking over and seeing Noah Williams over there in street clothes. And he's going to bring a lot to this team when he comes back. And hopefully we'll see him in time for the Auburn game. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, who, who knows how long it's going to take for him to get back, not only into physical shape, conditioning and basketball shape, but in terms of simulating himself with the team, because there's no there's no question in that back end when it comes to the point guards, comes to guys needing to, to bring the ball up the court. Right now, Corn Johnson's their main guy. I mean, P.J. Fuller's not the answer there. Jamal Bay is not the answer there. Cole Badgham is not the answer there. They need one of those guys. Keon Menefield could be, possibly, but he seems to, again, more of an off guard than anything. And um, I, I was a little surprised that Hopkins didn't bring him in late in the game when uh, Colorado was really trying to amp the pressure up full court. But uh, they seem to finally get it done. But with regards to Mia, Mia, half his points should be within two feet of the basket. Half his points should be dunks. I mean, the way he just camps there. And, and, uh, and he showed a lot of physicality and a lot of aggressiveness today near the basket, which I thought was good. And then also with regards to Jackson Grant, he got five minutes each in each half. When Mia picked up his fourth foul with just under ten minutes left, that, was, that could have been a real big turning point in the game for Colorado. And Jackson Grant was able to bring his big body in. He, you know, obviously he's got five fouls he can give if he needs to. So he didn't score today, but I'll tell you what, the, fir the first thing I saw that was really impressive, Kim, was that first moment he came in the game, was able to battle in for an offensive rebound, and he immediately went to the basket. He didn't hesitate. He went up there and went strong with the left hand and was actually really unlucky to not have the shot go in. Um, but that's what you want to see out of a guy like that. You want him to be aggressive. You want him to go to the hole, and you want him to make his presence known. And even though he's still got to get bigger, faster, stronger – He's got that in him, and he showed that on the very, very first offensive move of the game. Yeah, with Corin Johnson, 28 minutes, and Keon Menefield only with eight, and Coach Hop was asked about that, and he said Keon's doing a real good job uh, at practice, and it was just a matter of the rotation tonight, so expect to see more of Keon Menefield, but the answer at point guard, obviously, is Noah Williams, and hopefully we'll get him back in the yeah. next week or so. I'm wondering, Kim, honestly, if Menefield can't be one of those guys that relieves the pressure late in games when they're when they're maybe ahead by three points or five points and there's a minute, minute and a half left and the other team is hack-a-shacking guys and, and you know, if he, he's a good free throw shooter and he's going to be tough to guard he, in the one-on-one. -on -one. He yeah. should be able to handle the ball well. I'm wondering if he can be one of those press beaters. Well, the, the thing about uh, uh, Menefield that you've got to understand too is the more he's played, 
Now there's a scout on him. They know who he is, and I think that's having a little bit of an impact. And you may see that show up with Corin Johnson here pretty quick, where teams are going to have a scout on him. With Braxton Mia, I'm sure they're getting a scout on him, where just pump fake, and he's going to leave his feet. So, um, you know, a really nice win. I think a loss today would have been really, really devastating for this team, but a nice win by Hop and company today. Yeah, the other thing to note, too, is that a lot of people were worried about where the assists were coming, sharing the ball. You could tell on the sideline, it was not only Hopkins, it was Hopkins, it was all those coaches. They were begging those guys to move the ball. And when they moved the ball quickly and they got it around and they shared it, it was amazing how the basketball went in the hole. I mean, and you've got four uh, assists each for Corn Johnson, uh, PJ Fuller, Keon Brooks. When you've got 12 assists on 26 made baskets, that may not seem like a great number for any just standard basketball team. When you're talking about Washington, who ends up with a lot of shot clocks where they have to go one-on-one, to get 12 assists on 26 made baskets in a game is actually pretty good for them. And I think they should try to get, hopefully, half their baskets made baskets on assists would be a great kind of target for them, I think, going forward. Yeah, and just real quick, just to wrap it up on basketball, as well as Braxton Mia played today, uh, I thought Jamal Bay played well in spurts today. But, uh, boy, to me, the player of the game is Cole Bajima. He's just bringing so much to the team right now. He played thirty, almost 38 minutes, and he was 5 of 8 from the field, and he was 3 of 5 from 3 and 3 of 3 from the free throw line, uh, as well as 6 rebounds. So he's just doing a little bit of everything. And, boy, when you can have a guy that's just going to give you a little bit of everything, those are the guys that help you win games. Yeah, and the other thing that helps you win games, too, is that you, when you go 14 to 16 from the free throw line, yeah, you're, you're, you're giving yourself well, a chance to win when you do that and not that i'm the basketball guy or anything but i've noticed a marked difference in the way they're shooting free throws this year compared to the past three or four years give people an idea who've never seen braxton mia shoot a free throw describe that for me chris you should let scott yeah you should let scott (laughs) because i'm sure he saw it for the first time in person no well i saw it first time in person but i've watched it on tv and stuff and i mean he literally it's a one-handed shot it's a literally a one. He takes the the offhand off yeah. and just throws it, and, and it's up in the air and goes right in. It's, he, he seems to be okay. It's impressive. With it. He was four of six today, and yeah. I guarantee you, the the team will take four of six from him from the line every and game. I've seen other games where he was like a six yeah. for six or eight of eight. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's got it down. I, it's just you leave so many points. I mean, Colorado was what six of thirteen. I mean, yep, six of thirteen, and they lost yeah. the game by ten. Yeah, you make. Even just six more, you you miss one, yeah. you make six more, you're within four points. Yeah. Yeah. You no. just leave so many points, just and no one's guarding you. No, there's no reason why you should be sixty percent. And Washington, for the last couple of years, has been about what a fifty to sixty percent free throw shooting team. Sixty to sixty-five. Okay, whatever maybe, it is. Maybe but, going towards. But this 70. year, I think they're over. They're like yeah. close to no, eighty. No, they're they're doing a really good job yeah. there. And to finish it up, Kim with Badgema, I I echo your thoughts. I mean, obviously, he was. He was he was the leading minute getter by almost eight minutes, seven minutes. Yeah, I mean that's crazy. He was the one guy on the floor that was kind of indispensable today, and I think it was as much for his for his defensive work as much as it was on offense. But you know when he can step up and, and hit like that key three late in the game to really help extend them, that's a huge huge advantage for Washington. If he starts making shots, if Bay starts making shots from outside, because those are really going to be your two threats. Guys like Corn and Fuller. And, and to a lesser extent, Brooks, I mean, if they hit threes, that's kind of a bonus. Menafield, you know, he can get hot. We've seen it already. 
Um, but it really should be Bay and it should be Bajima that the guys, the three guys that they should be relying on. One stat that gets hidden a little bit in the stat sheet, Jamal Bay with five steals today. Yeah, no, he was fantastic. They really, I think the one, the one way you can really tell if the zone is working, not just in the score and the number of points for the other team and things like that, but the number of steals and deflections is huge. If they're finding passing lanes, if they're getting out there, and especially where he's in the front court and he's getting deflections, he can get deflections that can lead to fast breaks. And Washington had, um, God, how many? They had 14 fast break points tonight. That's huge. And that tells you that they're getting steals and deflections that are leading to easier baskets. Everybody's saying enough basketball, football, football, football. Boy, the Alamo Bowl today sure took their time in announcing that it's going to be a Washington-Texas matchup. And I think that's been pretty much in the works. Um, From my understanding, even before the Pac-12 basketball, excuse me, Pac-12 championship game was played, uh, they desperately, the Alamo Bowl desperately wanted that Washington-Texas matchup. And they got it. Well, why wouldn't they? I mean, Washington was a borderline New Year's Six Bowl team. Waiting for a bid. I mean, I, and I don't know historically how many times the Alamo Bowl gets a 10-win regular season team, but I'm sure that probably doesn't happen. It probably happens a lot well, less than the other. And it's, the not opposite. Just, it's not just that. They get a high – so they get Washington, a, a borderline New Year's Six team, and you get a high-profile team like Texas that has a lot of stars on it. I mean, and yeah. all the storylines behind – Pete Kwiatkowski, Steve Sarkeesian being former coaches here. And tell me your uh, impressions of Fetters wearing the uh, Texas color hoodie today. <laughs> I thought he was. That's not. Is it burnt orange? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It I thought it was more pumpkin bit. myself. Yeah. But okay. It's close enough. Yeah. You look like Bevo today. Yeah, I was infiltrating things. You know me. I was. Yeah. I was. Yeah, I was secretly. Uh, Secretly uh, doing the, my bit to scout for Texas. Well, there t- I mean, it was kind of crazy because we're waiting for the bowl game to be announced, and flights from Seattle to San Antonio are not easy. You know, so a lot of people were booking airfares yesterday, hoping for that 24 hour cancellation policy. And then we're told that we're going to meet with Coach DeBoer at halftime of the basketball game. And there's three minutes to go in the first half. And I'm, we still don't know. It, it still hadn't been announced yet. Well, and then DeBoer comes out uh, and talks to the crowd with about three minutes to go in the first half. Yeah, they announced it kind of, I don't know even if officially is during the basketball game, but they did right before the, he did, uh, what was it, between the, Probably the last uh, media it was three timeout. Minutes. It was three minutes left. Yeah, so it was so. the under four timeout yeah. before the first half, and they came out, and he said his thanks to all the fans that have helped out. Even did a nice shout-out to Michael Penix for the Heisman, which is another, Scott, another reason why they Alamo Bowl will be thrilled because the last time Washington happened to play in the Alamo Bowl, I think that's the only time they played in the Alamo Bowl, it if is. I remember correctly. They happened to play against a team that, oh, that's right. Had a Heisman Trophy winner in and Washington from the third. And Washington's quarterback threw for 473 yards. And Washington's defensive coordinator also got fired. I was going to say, what else happened? They also got all the defensive so coaches got fired. So if I'm Chuck Morrell and I'm William Inge, I'm, I'm, I'm on, I'm on uh, coaching all I have, death watch right All I now. have to say is I've been the one on the don't play on grass until you figure out how to play on grass. and. This is a turf game, so. Well, in fact, you were already doing your uh, yeah. calculations for next year to see how many times Washington plays and on grass. And there's three. 
There's three. Yeah, but had a chance to uh, come in and listen to Coach DeBoer, and um, he has no ties whatsoever with anybody on the coaching staff. Of course, you not only have Steve Sarkeesian on that Texas staff, but you also have Pete Kwiatkowski as the defensive coordinator. And I think Jeff Choate's still on that staff. If That's I right. That's right. correct, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, he's a linebacker coach. And I think there's other ties with the staff. I think there's former Washington guys that were here under Sark that are part of their either administrative stuff or part of their football yeah. staff yeah. that are there as well still, if I remember right. Yeah, but, you know, Coach DeBoer, you know, addressed it. And, um, you know, he's not really going to say anything about missing out on the Rose Bowl. He's happy to be going to the Alamo Bowl. His first year here, a 10-2 record. It's a good year for, good year for him. Um, did, he did, did, anybody ask, did anybody ask him about the idea that you're basically playing a Texas home game? No. Because no. You, do, you, you, you do that in 2011 with Baylor. I know Oregon's done it in the past when they played TCU. I mean, essentially, it's when you're when you're playing a Big Twelve team in San Antonio, you might as well call it a home game for that conference. Well, the Alabama game in Atlanta was a home game for Alabama and Auburn. And two years later, yeah, I mean, so. those were home games. But you know, we tried to get um, you know Coach DeBoer to address whether Michael was going to play in the game, and he just didn't seem to want to go there. Saying there's still ongoing discussions, but you know, Penix told Softy, you know, I'm, I'm going to play in the bowl game. So mm-hmm. I think the idea was at that time that it was they were a shoe in for a New Year Six game. Now, obviously, since they're not yeah. in a New Year Six game, is that going to matter to him? And and Scott and I were talking about this off the air, but. That could work its way to Texas just as easily because you've got uh, a guy in Bijan Robinson, their their top running back, who's one of the top running backs in the entire country, who might opt out of that game as well. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, if you're the Alamo Bowl, you're begging, pleading, and screaming for those guys to play. You all of a sudden could end up with what looked like a real big marquee matchup. Now all of a sudden looks really like a second-rate bowl because of the loss of star power. But 24-7, Kim, 24-7, came out and said it's the most intriguing non-New Year's Six Bowl matchup of the bowl season, so maybe there's still hope. Yeah, and I believe that Austin is 76 miles from San Antonio. It's not very far. I believe it's 76 miles. That's where we flew into 11 years ago, so I don't. Yeah. I have and no then, idea. And then also Bijan Robinson. Didn't he get a Bugatti? Is that what they gave him? Yeah, something like that. Is, I wonder if he'll drive or if he'll go down with, on the team bus. Well, if, um, My well, gut says he doesn't play. I don't think he'll play. I don't think he'll play. He was pretty highly. T- I mean, who was after him? Was it Pete that was after Everybody, him pretty hard? Yeah, well, Peterson. Peter Robinson was the yeah. was either the number one or number two running back coming out for that class. Yeah, it was Bonifa who was all over him. Yeah, yeah but because he's from Arizona, <coughs> so that's where he's that's where he played high school balls in Arizona. Well, so he like, played with Mateo Mele. Right, is that right? Mateo he, Mele. So he's was from his, Tucson. One of his blockers. Yeah. Okay, we'll so, have to ask Mateo about him. Yeah. But here's the thing: so if Bijan Robinson decides not to play, does that all of a sudden? Does that give incentive for a guy like Penix to play, or do they make all these decisions independently? I think it's all made independently. Well, their backup running back is pretty good, too. Yeah, they have a five-star <laughs> running back behind him. So. Well, they have, they have five stars up and down the lineup. Doesn't, didn't really help them this year. They went 8 Well, they're young. they're young. They're young. They lost by one point to Alabama. Yeah. Who else did they lose So is their to? best win a loss? No. Okay. No, I mean, I, don't, I haven't looked at their stats. I haven't, I haven't either. I mean, this is all brand new, and I yeah. – you know, I know that as soon as it became clear when Utah beat USC in the Pac-12 title game that this was probably going to happen, I should have done more research on Texas, but uh, still was holding out hope that maybe um, Washington would get that Cotton Bowl bid. But now that I'm looking at it, Tulane playing USC, 
and Tulane's offense against that defense that can't tackle. <laughs> I mean, that's like B. John Robinson going up against a Washington defense that has trouble tackling. Yeah. So it, it's, it's going to be it, – it, for people that love bowl games and love offense and love points and people remember the 67-56 to 56 game with Robert Griffin III and Keith Price going back and forth and back and forth, um, you could see a lot more of those types of fireworks. So Texas's biggest win was 49 nothing over Oklahoma. But that no, was, I forgot about but that. But that was with weren't Dylan they had, Gabriel out. Weren't they, weren't they had like 35 nothing at the yeah. half or something? Yeah, it was, that was Dylan outrageous. Gabriel was out. They beat Kansas State 34-27. They beat Kansas 54-14, but they were pretty much done toward the end of the season. And they beat Baylor 38-27. Yeah, so, they, they, so. basically it's all going to be a matter of whether or not a Texas team is going to be motivated. Yeah. To go down there and play. Yeah, because they did lose to Texas Tech in overtime. Yeah, so. but here's and the thing. that's you know Who knows if they're going to be motivated <coughs> or not. i got to think, there's got to be a chip on the shoulder of this Washington program right now. I mean, not only did they get hosed in the Pac-12 title game because of the fact that the Pac-12 decided to eliminate the divisions this year, which everyone's talked about up and down, don't need to go into that, but they lost the tiebreaker to Utah because of strength of schedule because of that. And, and then you see Utah go out and blitz USC, and now all of a sudden Washington fans have got to be thinking what could have been. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and well, then on top of that, they get aced out of a New Year's Six game. Well, it's not just that. This is a chance for Washington to make a statement because their last three bowl wins have been against BYU, Southern Miss, and Boise State. Their last three bowl losses have been to Penn State, uh, Ohio State, and Alabama. So this is your chance to put – to say, hey, we're out there to beat some of these top programs, especially programs like Texas who throw out money like nothing. I gotta think, is there so is their last considered big bowl win? Would that be the Holiday Bowl win over, the, over Nebraska? Nebraska? Yep, with Locker and those. I guys? think you might be able to say it was the. Uh, I mean, be what you could kind of say it was BYU because um, they Sark had just left. Tuiasa Sopo's the coach. Yeah. That 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 team. The, the basis for that team that was on the field that night with uh, for that game against BYU, what was that, the Kraft or whatever? It was the, it was the San Francisco yeah. one where they, they played both teams on the same sidelines. Oh, that's remember? not the Cheez-It Bowl. Was it, Maybe it was it now whatever, the Bowl whatever it is. But, but um, the thing is, the, the young guys on that team were the ones who took them to the college football playoffs yeah. three years later. No doubt. I mean, and I'm just wondering if Joe, college football fan, looks at a bowl win over BYU or a bowl win over Texas and considers is one is one more prestigious Texas than the other. Texas is much more prestigious than yeah. a BYU win. It'll be interesting to see how many Washington fans make the trek down there. Um, you know, With the proximity down in Texas, of, um, it's about a five-hour drive from Dallas, 275 miles. Um, it's 75 miles from Austin. It's a little ways from Houston, but uh, that should be just a home game for them. And out of Seattle, direct to San Antonio, there's one direct flight down to San Antonio per day, and those are all gone. And then coming back, there's one per day coming back. Those are all gone. So everything's difficult, and the flights are expensive. Late booking on during the holidays is is tr- it's yeah. difficult. It's really difficult. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, who comes. I imagine the people from out of the area, like L.A., it's not that big of a deal. Well, but coming from Seattle, it's going to be tough. Well, it's here's the deal. It, it's if you're trying to make things more accessible for fans to go to, you know, to have these stadiums packed, to have the atmosphere be good, and everything like that, they need to. The bowl games are gone, guys. They're going to be gone in three years. There, I mean, there's just not going to be bowl games anymore. People need to get over that. So the the thing is. You know what they're going to eventually have to do 
is give teams home games, the better teams home games with the better records. They need to have home games and let them, and then just have the fans flying in, one set of fans flying in instead of a bunch. Yeah, and not, and not to get too deep into that future scenario with the 12-team mm-hmm. playoff and all that, but doesn't it seem like that the committee and those guys are pretty well aligned and are in sync with the idea of having home games? For playoffs, playoff home games. I think they want well, think those about on, they want on-campus games. Yeah, well, I agree with that. But the problem is the first round right now, the first round, I guess it would be the quarterfinals. Yeah. Would be, or I guess it would be the, the first round because the next one is the quarterfinals. But the, that, that first round are all home games for yeah. the higher-seeded teams. Guess what happens the following week? All those teams that got buys, they don't get a home game. Right. It's all neutral sites. Yeah. And so if if you're so they they mapped it out on the thing. So the four teams who made the college football playoffs would be the four teams that had buys. Can you imagine Georgia going um so I was the number 1 team in the country undefeated and I don't get a home game right. for my bowl right. or for my playoffs? Yeah. Really? So Oh, trust me, if they yeah. don't screw it up one way, they've already screwed it up this, you know, for the next two years. Yeah. And once it, they'll, they'll go through plenty of growing pains as well in this stuff. I just still don't understand, and I talked to you about this off the air before, Scott. I don't understand why the FBS didn't adopt the FCS playoff rules just like every other level of college mm-hmm. football. Division three, NAIA, they do the same structure for every single playoff. And there's no reason why the FBS couldn't have done it. It's because of the they, bowls. But it's because of the bowls. But they could have. They could have put the bowls in there. They could have. Yeah. They could have there's, combined those I things. Feel, I fully agree with you on that. But that's just they're never. The, they, they those say bowl, those bowl games make so much money, and there's some guys at those bowls that make a ton of and money. And I'm trying to there. figure out a scenario where they would not make even more money in this scenario. They just they're they're because there's how actual, do you think these people because are? Because there's well because there's actual but there's skin in the game here. I'm 51. How old do you think those people are? 20 years older than me that are making those decisions? Yeah. Th- well, that that's the problem. They they only know one thing and that's what they're going to do. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, Busy day again tomorrow with the transfer portal. Yeah, it should be quiet, I think. (laughs) I'm, yeah. I'm going to be just kind of hanging out, not doing anything. You, it's, just yeah. all, it's all Twitter anyway. So there, so there, what difference is that? Yeah, there's only, there's only one Husky right now who's in the transfer portal, and he actually technically can't be in it until uh, – uh, although I think he's considered a grad transfer because I think he is finishing up his degree. Who's he? Uh, Cam Williams. Okay. So um, 
So maybe that's why he can be, because I've seen several guys announce for the portal and say, I'm pulling my name out because I'm not a grad transfer. Wait till the fifth, whatever. But um, Cam Williams is the only Husky that's in there right now. We expect at least five or six more to add their names, um, maybe even up as upwards of nine more. Um, it, a lot of it just depends on the conversations they have with coaches, conversations they have with their parents, and possible eligibility at other schools because maybe they put the feelers out before they decide to put their name in and everybody's saying, yeah, we're not going to take you. And why would they leave then? Well, things change with coaching changes and we could talk a little bit about that, but you know, you know, we're, we're hearing rumblings of guys entering the portal. Anybody, are you expecting any surprises that would make a significant impact or that might really surprise people? Uh, I, I think there's a couple names that might surprise some people, but would it make a huge impact? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, most of the guys that are going to enter the portal from Washington are backups. Is that mm -hmm. fair to say? Yeah, but still some names that would surprise people. Yeah. But let's also make sure that people understand why it's really important that all these names come into the portal on Monday. And it's because there's a finite number of chairs that end up on, at the end of the line of well, this portal said, process. They said there's already 2,500 in the portal, and that's FCS guys. Oh, yeah. And so they're expecting that number to double. Now, I know Kim's been real adamant about this, and I agree 100% that most of these guys don't make these moves unless they already know where they're going. But there's a ton of guys out there that need to take visits, and they need to go places because there are some at that elite level that are really coveted, that have honest-to-God legitimate decisions to make. And that's where you want, if you're Kalen DeBoer and you're the Washington staff, you want to be able to bring in guys during this, this coming weekend and even the weekend after, if you can, to try to free up as many spots. That's why you don't want a lot of high school guys coming in during these weekends now. You used to, you used to want to do it all then. Now it's completely changed. You almost want none of them then. You want to do them all back in June and July if you can, but now that's completely changed. I can promise you, or I'm 100% confident in saying this, Washington coaches have gotten calls from guys that are ask, probably going to enter the portal and asking if there's room for them at Washington, if they would take them. That's how it works. Oh, for and, sure. No, and, for and, sure. And that's how it works. So I'm guessing that uh, Courtney Morgan and all of his recruiting office are doing a lot of work right now from phone calls that they've gotten from transfer portal guys and doing well, their background the, checks. Well, they're the not kids. in the portal. Yeah, yeah not, not the kids. Yeah, kids they're can't getting do them that from yet. their parents. Yeah. Kids or can't their, do that. Well, they're getting the coach. calls or the trainers or whatever, but I'm, I'm pretty well to bet that they're they're doing some due diligence just here like, in the next couple of just days. Just like the guys that are leaving Washington are doing their diligence with other schools. Yeah. The guys that are looking at Washington seriously are doing the same with the UW coaches now. One thing to also consider, Kim, is that, you know, and, and obviously the names are going to start to come out starting Monday of guys that, and I guarantee you, Scott and I, again, talking about this off the air, we were talking about, there are going to be Washington fans that are going to hit our recruiting board and our football board, and they're going to be like, hey, this guy hit the portal. He'd be great for Washington. We're going to end up with literally 200 names of guys that the fans want, and there's okay. obviously no way of hardly any of those guys coming. But it's important to understand the positions that we think Washington is going to target as positions of, and groups of needs. And, and that, will be, that will be my blog tomorrow. Okay. Damn, of, I didn't know we were teasing it. I really, really wanted to get into this. Of the 12 schools in the Pac-12, and with the transfer portal over the next couple of days, mm -hmm. 
Which school is going to be the most interesting with the transfer portal? A guy's entering Colorado, absolutely. Colorado, no entering into the transfer Both. portal. Cor- coming yeah. in, going Colorado. Yeah. How many kids do you think Prime is going to say? Yeah, we don't need you. Well, that's where we need to call our Kim, guy. They back already at got Col- five star commits from guys in twenty twenty five because of Prime. Well, this is where we got to call Adam back at the Colorado site because he said it's really difficult for them to bring transfer guys in. Do you so think, we, you don't think that Deion Sanders already, has said, "Yeah, you got to help me get these guys." They already in. they've already talked about that. That's already yeah. been publicly discussed. Yeah, though those those are changing. So so, but Oregon will. How about uh, the quarterback or, situation at Oregon? Yeah, I mean, well, uh, Butterfield's already gone. Um, most expect uh, the other guy to go. Ty, Ty Thompson. Thompson. Yeah, he hasn't declared yet that I, that I'm aware of. But you know, but Butterfield's gone, and isn't there another one that? Well, Bo Nix could go to the NFL, right? But I thought there was even another quarterback well, that. Had well, you're talking about declared. their five star commit, you know, Dante Moore. Uh, Dante oh, yeah, Moore. Well, yeah, don't I think he's going to. I think he's he'll sign with Oregon. But then the other thing too is that with USC now, obviously this the first year under Lincoln Riley. They had massive portal upheaval. Yeah, I, I don't expect it to be near that much, but there's going to be lots of comings and goings at USC as well. You can bank on that. At Oregon, of their 21, 2021 recruiting class, what nine guys? Yep. So that, but this is two years ago. Yeah. So they're guys. But it's such a ago. double-edged sword because it's it's such a carrot out there yeah. to dangle in front of coaches that think they can they can find an easy fix. And they see Michael Penix at Washington. They see Caleb Williams at USC. They see Bo, Bo Nix at Oregon. Yeah. They see all Cam Jay- Ward or Jaden Delora at Arizona. Yeah. They Ward, see yeah. all these quick fixes, especially at the quarterback position, and it's just too tempting for them to well, ignore. Think about this. And then when they see that happen, they go, "Well, we can have success yeah. with quarterbacks. Why aren't we? Think why are we remaking though. everything?" Think about this though. The three most successful. Now, granted, Jaden Delora put up some sick numbers at times, but he also threw. A- 150 picks too, right? The three most successful transfer quarterbacks in the Pac-12, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams. What is the one common denominator with their success? They all are playing for former guys they played for. Yeah. Hey, wait, wait, wait. Dillingham Nix. was Bo Nix's. Oh, he was okay. Oh, before he went Auburn. to Florida State. Yeah. Okay. He was at Auburn. Gotcha. Lincoln Riley and whoever his OC were were the guys yeah. for Caleb Williams at Oklahoma. Kalen DeBoer was right. the guy for now. Granted, uh, uh, Grub is the OC and the play caller, but it's the system that DeBoer de- well. And if we want to even go further, Penix got the benefit of two former coordinators because yeah. it was not just DeBoer, but it was also Nick, Nick Sheridan. Sheridan. Yeah, so so, but that's that, going to change obviously the farther you I, go down. I get, I get it, but what I'm saying is, everybody thinks, oh well, look what the success that those three schools had with bringing in transfer quarterbacks. Yeah. Well, it's because they had the guys that they were used to being coached by Previous, right? previously. Previously, you can't. This is not saying that someone from Baylor can't come to uh, Michigan State and light it up. But the chances are less than what Washington, Oregon, and USC were able to do with their quarterbacks. Over under, number of guys from the portal that Washington winds up bringing in. Four. Fetters? I'll take the over on that. 
Yeah, I was thinking four, maybe five. I, I'll the take right the game. over, but it's but it's not by much. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's funny. Because, oh, I guess I should. I'll I'll put it at four and a half because that way. Well, we it still take five. Yeah, it's so. funny because a lot of the posters just get a little bit over their skis on every high school recruit they want you to take, mm-hmm. and uh, coming tomorrow they're going to want you to take every transfer yeah. portal well, guy. But they had a guy on an official visit this week. Yeah, Caleb Presley. Yeah, yeah. we got to take him. Okay, well, then you can't take a portal guy, so yeah, yeah. choose one. Yeah, exactly, and and who knows? I mean, he's got an official visit set up to Oregon this weekend, or next weekend. If he makes that visit, he ain't going to Utah. Well, and here's the other thing to consider, too, guys, because typically when you're, when you're just rolling through guys, and now if you're in the portal, so let's say, so with, with the offensive line, for instance, you lose three guys to graduation. You lose Jackson Kirkland. You lose Henry Vanivalu. You lose Corey Luciano. Well, you've got how many guys coming in the high school? You've got at least three guys coming in the high school. You've got Henning. You've got some of these other guys. You've got the uh, jacket. Mm-hmm. You've got some of these other guys coming in. Can you? Would you even consider taking uh, a, a guy that you think could be an immediate impact guy, a starter at offensive line? So you've got to look at which group you're looking at because – there are some guys that maybe go into the portal as freshmen that you can develop over time so mm-hmm. they don't have to necessarily plug and play yeah. as starters right away. But in the case of a guy like Penix, those guys come in They're because expecting to start. they have a, a very specific yep. mandate in mind. So you've got to keep that thought in there as well. But what I, what I was wondering is, Scott, do you think they're going to try to replace like-for-like like numbers in the portal. That's what I'm kind of wondering. Well, I mean, how many corners are they going to lose? They're, the only corner that they lose technically it's is Perryman. Perryman from a graduation standpoint. Yep. My guess is you'll see probably one more uh, decide to leave. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we, we've, you and I have kind of talked but that's what I'm wondering. about that. I, don't, I think they're going to bring in three or four. And that's on top of the, the, the high school kids the they're two, already the bringing two in. That they're already bringing in. I, I should say two or three. Yeah. I could see two or three more. And you'll address that in the blog, but just yes. deeper. But I still think two corners, most likely a running back, and one to mm. two defensive linemen. I'm not linemen. sold on the running back, but that's definitely an area they're looking. And yeah. and one to two defensive linemen. I have not seen any defense. I have not heard or seen any defensive linemen that possibly, that possibly, possibly a tight end. Tight end is one they're definitely looking at. So Scott, you notice that and notice how slick that was. Yeah, he just got you to talk about the thing you didn't want to talk about. Mm. What in the blog? What's that? <laughs> the numbers. Where uh, the positions? I'm kind of like I'm kind of like Russell Wilson, sleek and well, sexy. I'm, I'm more than happy to I'm more than happy to talk about it. But well, the problem is, we'll do, deal with it in the blog. Tomorrow. Yeah, but the, thanks, Kim. We, we'll deal with it. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember you ever handing oh. me stuff to that you wrote for the blog. I might. Yeah. <laughs> and then <laughs> I'd have to, I'd spend an hour editing. But <laughs> but the th- the thing is, you know, the the thing is that they could bring a defensive lineman in if they have a difference maker. I mean, one of the big things is, do we know if Thule led to Sanoa sticks around? Is he going to stick around for another year? We oh, don't no, there's know. tons of guys. Like, yeah. you know, uh, Asa Turner. You've yeah. got the, the edge guys like like uh, like ZTF, well, Braylon, Braylon Trice. Trice. Yeah, you've got you know you've got guys like that. You've got the receivers. You got Roma well, Dunsey. We, we, we went through it yesterday when we were talking about okay, who are guys that we need to keep an eye on from uh, declaring early for the draft kind of stuff, and we came up with Penix, um, Troy Fautanu mm-hmm. is a possibility. I don't think that happens, but Troy Fautanu could yeah. be a guy. Yeah. Um, uh, 
and then we talked about the two receivers, yep. McMillan and, and O'Dunsey, and we talked about Thule yep. and ZTF. So we had seven guys that we talked about. And, you know, we were, you and I are going to split them up and have stuff ready to go, but we don't know if that, any of those are going to happen. But let's say, let's say all of them go. That's why I was wondering, yeah. do you think they would try to get seven guys in the portal? Because I don't think they would go for seven guys in the portal. No, I, don't, I think the, the key is, and this is one thing I'll address in the blog, but these people are just saying, what about this guy? What about this guy, right? Oh, yeah. Well, no, it's going to be. Well, yeah. there's, a, there's a guy from Alabama, a corner, who Washington is looking at. But when I looked up his history, he got booted from the team, or at least suspended from the team. He didn't get booted. He got suspended from Alabama for violation of team rules. Yeah. So what were the violations? Was he smoking weed? Was he, did he rob a bank? So did let, he, I mean, we don't know. Let, let's be clear. So for anybody that's listening to this right now who wanted to, to – go ahead and post the names. We, we absolutely encourage you to post mm-hmm. all those names. Just do it with the idea – that if we come back and tell you the reasons why that guy probably won't be looked yeah. at by Washington, don't take offense. Yeah. There, just because a guy has a name doesn't mean that he's, he'd be a fit here. A lot of it, this staff, now there are other staffs that look like the way USC took guys and Oregon took guys. They didn't give a crap what happened, why they were transferring. They just took them. And Washington has taken transfers from Alabama before, and it didn't yes, necessarily but, work out. But so. they, they took that. But the guy just wasn't that good of a well, that's player. That's what I'm saying. Right? It doesn't necessarily so, mean but, it always works but, out. Yes, exactly. And so this staff is going to be really, really focused on, hey, does, do they fit the locker room? Is it going to upset our locker room if we bring this guy in? One of the things they mentioned about Michael Penix, what, Wayne Talapapa, um, trying to think, Cam Bright. Cam yep. Bright was voted a team captain. Now, you can yep. say all you want about his lack of – performance and all that different stuff this year although i think toward the end toward the end he started to play a lot better but he was named a captain wayne talapapa was a captain jeremiah martin was named a captain now granted he had already been here a year but those guys ingrained themselves in this program right there 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 are guys who went to usc who went there for one reason and one reason only paycheck that was it (laughs) jordan addison that's why he went there. And and did he is he my guess is he probably went to hardly any classes cuz he's going to be gone after this this quarter. Yeah. So so is that something that we should even be is that something where people need to start realizing that this staff doesn't want to they want guys who are going to get in the program and be part of the program, not just guys who are here for a paycheck <laughs> and to get Moved on to the next level. Pete's Pete's program is still in place. Yes, it well, very it's much not is. just it's not but just it, that. But it's Kalen DeBoer agrees with Pete. Yeah, it's not just that because I, I think we're all going to be making assumptions based on whatever position they're looking at and those on-field attributes. I think we also understand too, and more to that point, there's going to be the off-the-field attributes. Were they leaders? Were they not just? They don't have to be good guys necessarily, but were they good presence? And were mm-hmm. they a good presence in the locker room? Mm-hmm. They don't have to be. They don't have to be choir boys. They don't have to be saints, but they have to be value adds. They have to be good teammates. They have to be value adds. You can't be. You can't be having guys that all of a sudden split the locker room. That's the last thing you mm-hmm. want. I don't care how good a player someone is. That's why T- Terrell Owens wasn't picked up by people toward the end of his career because he. He was not worth the price that you paid for his personality. Yeah, so when you look at a guy like a Wayne Talapapa and you see a Virginia and you see what he did and a lot of people are going, I don't know, he just kind of looks like an average running back to me. 
Well, he turned out to be exactly what they needed, and I think a lot of that is probably based on what you weren't able to see in the locker room, in practice, and all these things that he was able to add and contribute because of the, the leadership traits and some of the other stuff that he had in him and the coaches fundamentally understood that he had and could bring to Washington. Let's wrap it up, guys. Basketball game, you know, bowl game, transfer portal, a lot going on. So, okay. Wrap well, it up, Scott. Um, I, you know, a lot of stuff is going to be happening here over the next couple of weeks. The 21st is signing day, the mid year signing period. I expect every guy that's committed to Washington to sign, other than Lincoln Keenholz. And the only reason I could see Lincoln Keenholz not signing is because he's flipped to, or Ohio maybe State. even other schools have come in. Yeah. But I think. I think, you know, and I'll report on this tomorrow, but there's a lot that's going on behind the scenes that, that, that Washington is still in there, still recruiting him really hard. I, don't, I think if they don't get Keenholz, that adds another position group that they're going to look at and the portal. I also think if Penix leaves, they, that, that adds another position group that they're going to add into the portal. So a lot depends on where things kind of go with the declarations, the guys uh, that, that do leave, and then they'll, they'll decide. But at this point in time, I think you're going to see, you know, we already kind of talked about it, three, four, five, possibly right in there in the amount of transfers they take in. And, and they have to be certain special kind of guys. They're not going to just take a guy to take a guy. Wrap it up, Chris Fetters. Yeah, I just think that uh, during the, this last week or so, watching this all unfold with a 10-2 and two team that won their last six games, won three wins, three of those wins on the road, two of them. Uh, they won two games against uh, top 15 teams now in Oregon and Oregon State. For them to not have a place in the New Year's Six game, I think is, is pretty telling that the system is a bit broken. It needs to be fixed, not just on the national end, but on the Pac-12 end as well. I mean, clearly the conference didn't mean to hamstring themselves, but they kind of did in the end result, which is kind of fitting for the conference, I think, in many ways. Um, so hopefully in 2024, this won't obviously be a factor anymore. But let's hope that it doesn't happen this, this coming season and it affects someone the way that it affected Washington this year because it's just it's bad. It's, bad. it's a bad look for the conference, and it, and it shows that they really I, – they just didn't really know what, what's going on. Should have fixed it. Should have had a way to do it. But either way, it's, it's, it's spilt milk and, and no reason to go into it further. Um, I would just say that, um, you know, they're going to, th- I think this team's going to have a real chip on their shoulder going into the Alamo Bowl. We'll see if that same chip exists with Texas and Sark. And um, <coughs> we'll see how that game goes. I mean, surely it feels like it has the, the makings of another shootout, another 67 56 game, which I think if that happens, will probably kill a few Washington fans like it probably killed a few Washington fans 11 years ago. Uh, but overall, it's going to be a great matchup. Again, 24-7 said it's probably the most compelling non-New uh, Year Six game out there, which hopefully that means there will be some some eyeballs to that game. And hopefully, um, you know, Washington can be one of many Pac-12 teams that shows off well in this bowl season because right now the way things are poised, guys, this is – there is – the Pac-12 right now in terms of the, the – what was it? They have six teams in the, in the, in the playoff right now. Mm-hmm. Have, not the playoff, not the the playoff but in the top 25 in the, in the final poll. To have that many teams right there, and if they can finish this thing off, and if all those teams can win games, I mean, it, it really um, 
can set things off the for a while. The two that need to lose season. are USC and UCLA. <laughs> but yeah, but if, if but if they you know, and if, Oregon, if all those teams and Wazoo, if all those let's put it this way, if all those teams show well, <laughs> yeah, then this could really set itself I'm up for a, a wild off season. <laughs> but again, with with what with Prime being at Colorado now, who knows what's going to happen at Stanford? The Pac-12 offseason is going to be absolute bonkers. Weird, yeah. And I don't care what happens from here on out. Just those moves alone um, means that, that Washington fans need to not only pay attention to what's going on with Pac-12 and what, what's going on with Washington, but hopefully there will be some national repercussions as well. Big win for the basketball team. Uh, I, that was a huge win for the basketball team. Uh, losing Frank Kepning, who just brings so much to this basketball team, was a devastating blow. You when they go into Oregon State and they lose Frank Kepnong, Braxton Mia isn't suited, and they're still without Noah Williams. You're down three of your top uh, players on the rotation. So big win for uh, the basketball team today. Again, you know we're anticipating Frank Kepnong out for the year. Braxton Mia should be uh, good to go, uh, and then uh, Noah Williams hopefully have him back for the Auburn game. But next up for the basketball team is Gonzaga on Friday and. Do we still not have a time for that? It still says to be announced, so I don't know. We still don't have a time for that game, which is kind of odd. So They're on the 48-hour window I, I don't instead know. of the six-day window? I don't know. I saw some time where it was going to be played in the morning. or in I don't know. They're awfully, they're awfully good this year, but they're not unbeatable. Like, yeah. They've already lost some games, so we'll see. Yeah, yeah so so just, ranked teams, right? Yeah. yeah, just keep it, you know, keep tuned into the Hoops team, so... Tomorrow's going to be a busy day. Refresh often. For all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Grenolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.